Our scripture reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 12, and reading verses 12 through to the end of verse 19. John's Gospel, chapter 12, beginning to read at verse 12. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel, that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave, and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we come before thee to acknowledge that thou art God, to seek thy grace and mercy. We thank thee for the reading of your word and pray that you will bless our thoughts upon it. Bless your truth into our hearts. Work upon us by Holy Spirit that your word will accomplish its purpose. Now, Father, we must come and confess our own sin and seek thy forgiveness. Now, Father, we have to confess that we so easily become discouraged. May we have our eyes lifted up unto Jesus and that we would be reinvigorated, filled with faith. Oh, we pray that you would bless the ministry of your word. In Christ Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. John chapter 11 verse 53 says, Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. This was the type of reaction that the religious leaders had to the raising of Lazarus to life again. Jesus must die was the decision that the council of Jewish leaders had taken. Lazarus must die too. It's a drastic reaction to someone who had done nothing but good. 
but they didn't like it. They couldn't tolerate it. And now the Passover feast was coming. That time of celebration, remembering how the nation had been delivered from the captivity of Egypt. Looking back to that great victory over the powerful empire of the Egyptians. And of course, the nation now wasn't a nation. The Jewish people were subject to Rome. Life was not easy. And Jesus, what would he do as this feast came? Would he stay hidden out in the wilderness? Or would he come to Jerusalem? And if he came to Jerusalem, what would he do? Such power he had shown with the raising of Lazarus. Would he use that power to overthrow the Romans? To restore the nation? There was some expectancy, some excitement after Lazarus had been raised. Lazarus had been raised after four days in the tomb. Behold, he stinketh. But he had come forth fully refreshed and vigorous once more. Could not Jesus have overthrown Rome with a word of his power? Indeed he could. There was this excitement. What would the authorities do? They had a plan to arrest him, to put him to death. Would they carry that out? And so we come to see what Jesus would do as the Passover approached. And this is what we find in John chapter 12. It's a fairly brief account, a summary of what happened. John doesn't need to go over all the details that the other evangelists brought forth. But he brings out some important points. And as I read through this, it seemed to me that Jesus came voluntarily to Jerusalem. And that we should see this voluntary procession. It was a very public and decisive act. There was nothing of fear, coercion that led him to Jerusalem. He came voluntarily and he came with great confidence. Verse 14, And Jesus, when he found a young ass, sat there 
on. We came riding that animal of peace. He knew what was going to happen. He had warned the disciples, though they hadn't understood. He had told them so clearly. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, the 33rd and 34th verse, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, and they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Jesus knew he was going towards his death. He was going towards that time of utmost suffering. And he went voluntarily. He went so peacefully. He didn't have to. Remember that time when he had been reading from the prophet Isaiah? We can read of it in Luke chapter 4, in the 28th to the 30th verse. And we, we read there that the crowd had taken him and they were going to cast him off the brow of a hill. But what did he do? Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. He had the power just to separate the crowd and walk through their midst. Their anger was nothing before him. And even when it came to the time of his arrest, what happened? The soldiers, when he spoke, fell backwards. He came Voluntarily to Jerusalem. He came voluntarily to face his death on the cross. Oh, he came as Isaiah 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He came entirely voluntarily, entirely peacefully, that he would die. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But secondly, we should see, we should hear the public acclamation. This great crowd, they took branches of palm trees, verse 13, and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of of the Lord. This crowd did not have a full understanding of what was happening, but they had come to the right person and they were reclaiming him in the right way. In the words of Scripture, 
the modern example they set for us. Much people. They were there for the Passover. Little did they know that Jesus was the true Passover lamb. The lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist said. We look back as they looked forward. We look back with greater knowledge. We can see what Jesus did and what he accomplished. But our acclamation should be the same as these people. We should be filled with praise and thanksgiving for what Jesus has done. Oh, how wondrous. Amidst all the Roman power and authority, all its paganism, amidst all the corruption of the religious leaders, This crowd were raised up to shout out the praises of Christ. What was it that Jesus said? He said about Luke chapter 19 verse 40. If they, that's the crowd, would keep quiet, even the very stones would cry out. Jesus is worthy to be praised. And one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do you do that today? Does your heart rejoice in praise for Jesus, for what he came voluntarily to do and accomplish Calvary. They waved these branches. Originally, the Israelites were told to, to wave branches at the Feast of Tabernacles. Read about that in Leviticus chapter 23 and the 40th verses. And the 40th verse. Ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God. It was a symbol of rejoicing. Later it came to be used to welcome a victor. Some years before the New Testament era, in the time of the Maccabees, there had been a a great victory. And they welcomed the victor by waving these branches. We see them here waved for Christ Jesus. They were rejoicing. They were praising. Do our hearts have this sense of rejoicing in what Christ has done? 
and how good God has been to us. Do we have any appreciation of the humiliation involved? As Christ humbled himself, the creator of all, rode on this donkey into Jerusalem to face his death. They cried out this word, Hosanna. It means quite literally, save now. It's the same words from Psalm 118 in the 25th verse. The crowd were familiar with scripture and they used it to praise Christ. This was a a prayer asking for salvation. I think they probably were looking for, for national deliverance, victory over Rome. But they had a greater need that they didn't appreciate. They needed to be delivered from the slavery of sin. And that is what Christ had come to do. Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. That's what we read from Psalm 118, verse 25. And that should be the cry of every heart. Our greatest need is the salvation of the Lord. Salvation from our own sin. Salvation from the alienation we have from our Creator. That our hearts be renewed within us. Oh, may we rejoice and praise. Praise Christ Jesus even as the crowd did as he entered into Jerusalem. And so we have looked very briefly at his voluntary procession and the public acclamation. But thirdly, I want us to receive the apostolic attestation, their witness. We read here, Quite clearly, verse 16, that the disciples, these things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. And it's in that context that we read the apostles' words in verse 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh. We need that which would cast away our fear. 
And only Christ can truly take away our fear. The words fear not are not an exact quote from Zechariah chapter 9, where their command is to rejoice. It's either an introduction to the quotation by the apostle, or it's his summary of what that means. For one who rejoices, if you're truly rejoicing, you don't have fear. But we should have fear if we don't welcome the King of Kings. If with the religious leaders in Jerusalem at that time, if we reject the King of Kings, there should be no place for rejoicing but only that terrible sense of dread. For you will have to face the judgment of God alone. That is most terrible. But we can rejoice that there is no need to fear. For Jesus came not to condemn, he came to save, to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to lay down his life on that cross to bear the sins of his people. He shall save his people from their sins. And if you will repent and believe, then you need not fear, but rather rejoice. And you too will have Jesus as King, as Lord of your life. Oh dear friends, Jesus came riding this donkey. He came on an animal of peace, He came on a mission of peace. He was met with violence. But it was with a purpose. He came voluntarily, knowing that he would die. He came for the joy that was set before him. So that he could reconcile lost sheep onto the good shepherd. Oh, may our hearts rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ. As I say, this is a very divisive passage. The great crowds were acclaiming Christ. The disciples later would witness to the prophetic fulfillment of what Christ had done. But then we see in verse 19, the Pharisees therefore said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world is gone after him. They were not rejoicing. They were getting angry. They hadn't taken strong enough action. 
they would have to work harder to try to close this down. Little did they know that in the purpose of God, their evil intent would be used for good. That by their actions, many would be saved. We can rejoice and have no need to fear if we acknowledge King Jesus today and put our trust in his finished work at Calvary. Let us pray. Our Father, we do thank Thee for time we can spend in Your Word, especially when this is on the first day of the week. We especially remember and rejoice in the resurrection of our Lord and Saviour. We pray that You will bless Your Word unto our hearts during the coming hours and days. We pray that you'll watch over us as your people, as your church. Draw us close unto Christ. Draw us close unto each other. May we know your grace, mercy, and peace in the coming days. Christ Jesus' name. Amen.